This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to The Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got Maria Brito with me. Maria, how you doing? Hi, Brett. I'm doing great, and hello, everybody who's listening. Hope you guys are having a great day. We are having a great day, Maria, and you are in uh, beautiful New York City. I am. I am uh, in the Big Apple. If yes. I look out that window to you, I guess it'd be your left. Is that uh, get to see some big buildings and all that stuff right there? You know, it's a concrete jungle, right? Everywhere you look at, it's, it's you know, buildings, right? Yes. Everywhere yeah. you look at, it's a lot of buildings. That's, that's the magic of New York that also can be oppressive sometimes. Yeah. We need to get back there. My uh, wife and kids and I have been there a few times and uh, need to come back there again. We love, we love going to New York City and seeing what's going on there. It's a crazy spot, which is awesome. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, you are an award-winning New York-based contemporary art advisor. You are an author, a curator, a Harvard graduate. See, they don't let people like me into Harvard, Maria, but they let you in there. You must be really, really smart. So nice. we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, you're originally from Venezuela and uh, your first monograph out there published by Point Leaf Press in 2013 was a recipient of the Best Book Awards. And you've got a new book coming out is How Creativity Rules the World, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So, uh, but if you can, Maria, let us know what's made you the woman you are today. You come from Venezuela and now in New York City. Look, um, I, I was born in Caracas, the capital of Venezuela, and I grew up in a family of conservative you know, Catholic people. And I didn't have a lot of options in terms of what I wanted to do with my life. Right. So according to my parents, I needed to be a doctor, uh, an attorney or an engineer type of thing. And the truth is little Maria wanted to be a singer and a performer. And my parents opposed that vehemently. They were like, absolutely not. Even though I was talented, because a lot of kids want to be things, right? But I I actually had the talent and I used to go to all these auditions and I always got selected. And when it was fun and, you know, a a, a, youth thing, my parents were like, let her be. When it became serious and they wanted to pay me and take me on tours, my parents said no. So it's okay. You know, I was very brokenhearted. But at the same time, I was like, you know, it's not like you do here in the States that you're like, I'm going to go and wait tables and that's right. it. You know, like you can do that there, honestly. So I, I was a uh, very interested in leaving the country because, you know, I, I had always a desire to get better and to have this world around me of people who valued meritocracy. And like, that was not what Venezuela offered me. So I, I was an excellent student and because I knew that was like my ticket out. Yeah. So I was a, an excellent student and I ended up applying to Harvard Law School. 
in some other universities and I got accepted. So I said, okay, well, you know what? This is my ticket out. And by then I had already convinced myself that I was going to be an attorney because my parents had brainwashed me. Right. And uh, you know, that was also the time where you used to get all this John Grisham's movies, right. And like the firm or whatever. And it was so glamorous to be an attorney (laughs) and it is so exciting, but the truth is it's not. And so, When I graduated from Harvard, moved to New York City to practice, actually practice for nine years in corporate law firms. I hated it, man. It was just horrible. It was the worst. Lots of hours, lots of reading. But it was nothing fun. I mean, look, I'm not afraid of working. I like I, I, I wouldn't have built a seven figure business if I were afraid of work, but I, I hated it. It was just yeah. horrible. And so I you know, I had this passion for the arts. I couldn't be what I wanted to be, but I had other passions and it was uh, going to galleries and getting to know artists and getting to understand what was happening in the art market, getting to know what was happening in the auction houses. And so I, I, I got pregnant. I had my first child and I thought to myself, I am not going to waste my life in a law firm. There is no way that the skills and abilities that I have are going to be wasted in front of that computer working for somebody else. And so I went back to the law firm after the maternity leave and I, and I went and I said to myself, no, this is not. And that was 2008. Literally, I went back in September, two days after, uh, you know, Lehman and uh, Bear Stearns, you know, went yeah. <laughs> the, the whole oh, collapse, yeah. Yeah. you know, a month after was Bernie made of. And so it was just this domino effect of things. Our clients and that law firm were all banks, but we were in a very good position. Lawyers at that level never lose their jobs. I mean, unless you do fraud or something, you know, like nothing sure. ever, nothing ever happens that is going to really let those people kind of fire you or anything. And so I was very busy and I was like, no, there's no way uh, comes January. So I said, I'm going to collect my bonus because, you know, I worked nine months because then I was three on maternity leave and I deserve my bonus and I'm leaving. So I did. And I I had already drafted a business plan. I, I had the whole thing kind of, you know, figured out because I was I was set out to do the impossible, basically, which was build a business from scratch, learn a new business. Right. And, you know, keep bringing money to pay for my bills and kind of like share my quota with my husband. And um, and I did. And so it's been 13 years since that move. And I built it from scratch. It's an industry leader business that it has brought me the most impressive moments of my life and the, and, the, and the most successful moments of my life and, and satisfactory have come from this company that I yeah. built. Well, that's great. Well, thanks for sharing your backstory. And I think, you know, when I think of that and I hear somebody that, you know, Harvard law school, great education, big time law firm in New York, probably making great money. And you just said, you know what, I'm going to walk away from it, right? I'm going to walk away and I'm just going to go do my own deal. I'm going to bet on myself and take the risk. And so when you look back on that, what, what risk are you happy that you took most out of that, uh, that whole adventure? If so, you know, basically it was the whole risk of everything, right? I mean, the, the risk of quitting such a a very stable career and a very stable job and a decision that I moved forward with the unknown because it was, 
nothing could have prepared me because I had absolutely no background working in the arts. The whole thing was a risk after another. And so, uh, you know, you cannot overanalyze decisions like this, because if you do, you're never going to take that step, right? Because all sorts of things can happen. And lawyers are actually risk averse people for the most part, because you're also managing things with clients and you don't want them to, you you also have to give a lot of business advice to them, even if that's not what you're hired for. But once you are translating complicated contracts with financial institutions and private equity uh, firms, which was what I was doing, you have to have some business sense and you tend to really err on the side of caution, right? Because you are the lawyer. So I was like, you know, the hell with all that. I am really betting on myself, like you said before. And, you know, I'm just proud that I did it, right? And that I didn't have to think too much about it. I mean, I had been thinking, what am I going to do next? Because this is just not sustainable. The level of misery that I feel in this job is just going to consume me from within. And a lot of people really decide to stay in those jobs because they are stable. They pay well. You have the benefits. And look, you are never going to be as young as you are today, right? Like there's never a great time for none of these things. You can be like, I was 32 when I did that or 33 or whatever. Um, Or you can be 75. Like what I'm saying is like, it's never a good time. My advice to people, if they are ever considering anything similar, whether it is a shift in careers or starting a new business or, or changing departments or whatever is to, Think about it, but not too much, because if they think too much, they are going to take themselves out of it with their own thoughts. I I couldn't agree more. And one of the uh, circuits on the circuit of success is action. And I talk about that so much because the action is what you got to take, right? It goes from your, maybe from your brain to your heart to action that can, that can help, you know, and you're going to make things happen. But what happens is I think a lot of people, it goes from your brain to your heart. Oh my gosh, I want to do it. But then you go back to your brain and you start saying, okay, but this is what's going to go wrong. And that could go wrong. And I'm not saying to people to go out and just make bad business decisions or bad you know decisions for their family. Obviously I'm not saying that, but we've got to take action, right? Take one step forward at a time and, and know and trust yourself that you're making the right impact. Would you agree with that? I agree with that. And, um, You know, action is something that people underestimate at times, right? Because, again, they live so much in their heads and they circle the whole thing a million times and go on and on and on with all the reasons why it's not going to work out and all the bad things that can happen and whatnot. And so a lot of people don't understand that just taking one little step at a time That has a compounded effect, right? Like every time you take one step and you take another and you take another, it all builds up towards the um, achievement of a particular goal. And I don't think there is any overnight success. I don't think that there is anything of meaning that has been built in like two months, you know, just to say a number. But I, I think that people see that there are so many curated lives out there, you know, on social media and so many stories of success that seem glossy and that they have been just magically people snap their fingers and things happened. And that's not true. I I really particularly do not know anybody who hasn't really, you know, put a lot of 
effort and and you know sweat into successful ventures. Yeah, there's not a lot of overnight successes, especially in business. You have the one hit wonder and you know music, things like that, but you but you you really don't. I mean, it's it's you wake up and now it's for me, I've been doing this for 20 years and and uh not this meaning the podcast, but in the wealth management space, which is what I'm in for a living. And you're right. I mean, I've interviewed from through the podcast, but also through clients and just in the community, all these people that we get to surround ourselves with. And there's no overnight success. It's show up every night. And if 20 years is overnight, well, then there's your success, right? So <laughs> on, the, on the times, that the, the struggles that you may have, because it's not just, you know, 72 and sunny every day in the business world. How, how did you push through the struggles when they were really, really tough? You know, uh, first of all, progress is not linear, right? We know that I, uh, the minute I understood that it was, everything was a slightly easier for me, that there were going to be times where things were flat. There were going to be times where I had to prioritize certain things. Mm -hmm. There were times when, uh, you know, things didn't go my way. Right. And I think that one thing I also learned is that Look, business is not personal, but entrepreneurship is because it's your name, it's your dreams, it's the effort yeah. it, it is. So entrepreneurship is very, very personal. And as long as I understood that, and I also understood that with business is not personal, I was able to manage situations where I knew that I was hurting inside and I appreciated it, acknowledged by humanity and why I was hurting inside. But at the same time, I said, I have to treat this like a business. And, you know, it is, I think it's wrong to say that businesses have no emotions. I think that's wrong. And I think we're noticing that even more so now after the two years in a pandemic where people have had all sorts of, you know, different feelings and emotions around this. And a lot of people have walked away from jobs and a lot of yeah. great, great companies have lost human capital because they treated them like robots for a long time. Right. So, uh, you know, how I pushed through those moments was by having the acknowledgement that there were two realities and that nothing, listen, no shortage is a shortage forever. I had a coach when I started this business. That was one of the, the the investments I did when I started the business is I hired a business coach and and she always she used to tell me always remember that the shortages are are very short-lived you know I mean if you are really in motion if you are really moving forward if you're taking action every day doing five things for your business every day or more it's impossible that you're going to stay in the same place for too long yeah right so uh, lots of lots of reminders like that have been the life saving savers when I felt that things were not going to go my way or things were not going my way. And the yeah. truth is, for the, for the most part, life does not necessarily go our way. And adaptability is what actually makes or break a business, too. The yeah, I mean, is. I think you're, you're right. That adaptability is if you think it's going to just go this way or that way, you're, you're going to, you know, the, the entrepreneurial roller coaster will laugh at you because it's not. And so you got to learn to adapt. You got to learn from your mistakes. You got to move on. And, and you said something that made me think of, I call it strategic think time. And I, on Thursdays for years, I'm, I'm talking since probably July of 2005, I spend time with myself, my journal, 
no technology and just think, right? Strategic think time. And that has led to a lot of great success in, in our businesses. And so when you said something about the pandemic, and I also think people are at home more, they had built in more strategic think time, even though they didn't know it. And so I would almost challenge people to say, put that time back in your calendar, put that think time back in your calendar. And to your point of losing human capital is that human capital may be going and doing something. They're following their dreams, right? They're following their aspirations. And I think that's critically important. So did you spend a lot of time thinking and dreaming about your business model? I've always done that. And in fact, there is a whole chapter in my book about that. A whole okay. chapter about why spending time alone and why writing with a pen and a paper are actually a million times more conducive of generating ideas than if you were typing them. There, I yeah. quote the studies and everything from Princeton because I always want to give people the data and say, this is not just me anecdotically thinking that this could be interesting, right? I love to give people data and concrete studies saying, and the science says this too. Uh, I've always done that. I grew up an only child, so I had a lot of time on my own. And I I'm never, an only child as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I never gave up on my solitude, if you will, right? I mean, yeah. I have kids I and I, I have a husband and people I love and adore. And I, you know, but I feel that that those precious moments in silence is where all my ideas always are brewing and yep. generating and whatnot. And so I insist on people taking time to write their ideas down. And, you know, also Bill Gates has think weeks every year with, you know, like he goes to his cabin, his grandmother, and I don't know what yeah. in Lake Seattle, and he doesn't even bring a phone with him and, and, uh, like by the same, you know, token, all the executives that are invested in this idea of taking time to meditate every day, right? I mean, they, I don't know if they have a notebook with them, but we know that Steve Jobs practiced Zen meditation all his life, right? Mm -hmm. and, and he said it was where like those moments of silence is where he actually had his biggest breakthroughs. Yeah. So I encourage, you know, I always, all my ideas really come not all the time, but most of the time they come from these moments of silence and they are absolutely important. Yeah. And I think too, it's not even just the business side of things on that strategic think time. What do I need to do to be a better, you know, husband and, or a wife or a better mom or a dad, right. A better leader. I mean, all those things for me is, you know, I've got this journal right here that I use that I'm actually producing now. Um, it's a future greater than your past journal. And so I'm, you know, I'm really excited about this, but it, it is. It's all about your scorecard and, and taking a kind of taking a look of where you're at. And I think the clearer we can be on that, the, the more success you're going to have. But, but again, I don't want people to focus just on the side of, okay, sit down on Thursdays and think about this thing where you're going to be more successful and move your bottom line. No, it's like, let's think about life. Let's think about where we're going and how we can get there and keep track of it. And I always talk about the St. Louis Cardinals. I love the Cardinals. They've got a scoreboard right? You go to Yankee stadium or the Mets, whoever you pick your favorite New York team, there's a scoreboard there. And every time that guy walks up to the plate, we know how many times he's struck out, how many times he's gotten hits, home runs, RBIs, right? Everything we'd want to know about that person is there. And we're all guilty of it. We look to the scoreboard, but how many times are we doing that in our own life? Right? So when you think about that, what comes to mind? Well, listen, I try to live a very balanced life and, um, I, don't always succeed. And I think the word balance is also a little scary for a lot of people because it, it's almost like it means that you have to have, 
these divisions of like, oh, it's 30% here, 30% there, 30% there, right? And so at any given time, a specific part of your life is going to always claim a little bit more of you. And that is no matter what, right? I mean, right now I'm in the thick of my book and taking care of some of my clients and there's less time for me to be with my husband and kids, but it's not forever. I've right. already told them this is going to be until like mid-March and then I'm going to be more available, right? And mm-hmm. as long as you know that those parameters are there, right? And that you're not going to go one-sided for a whole year and like sort of like forget about everything. As long as you understand that there are times that you can negotiate with your family, that there are times also where you can say to your clients right now, some other things are taking my, you know, my, my interest or my attentions or whatever, right? It is important for people to also give themselves the joy and, and, and those uh, precious vacations, right? Like with your family and to, and to go away and go away for real. Uh, you know, Americans have unfortunately gotten into this bad habit of not even claiming the days off and not taking yeah. full vacation, right? I mean, we are overworked, overweight, over depressed, right? And 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 for what? The truth is, right? For like, is it really the price that we are paying with our health and the time that we could have dedicated to others and to our families for what? There's no clear answer if you think about it, right? Yeah. And and I think that policies also corporate policies have to change around this thing right why is it that we don't have more vacation why like after all the time now that we have seen for two years that people can do whatever they do from their homes because there was no option for most people right i mean like if you needed to be on a factory well okay so be it i understand but for a lot of people they just didn't need to go anywhere so if people, instead of getting 10 days of vacation or two weeks of vacation that they don't even claim, what if we enforce a mandatory three-week vacation every year for everybody? And I, and we're still not even close to what Europeans get, right? Yeah. So why is it that, you know, in these lives of ours that are wonderful and we live in, look, I'm an American citizen and I love it. And really, there's no place like this one. And I've traveled the world. And I can say there's no place like this when people embrace ideas, novelty, embrace creativity, like in no other place in the world, right? I mean, you get funding, you get supporters, you get packers. If you're good at something, you're going to find success. And that is not true anywhere else in the world. I can assure you that my husband is from Brazil. I have spent months traveling Europe. And you will never find the support that you will find in this country. So why is it that we cannot support our lifestyles a little more too? It's not just business and money. It's like, how do we actually decompress? How do we actually have a little bit more of a, you know, an up, up, like a perspective of rest of, you know, utilizing that time to understand other places or other cultures? Every state is almost like a country. This yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, just like you don't have to go to the whole other, you know, side of the world if you're going to take time off. You can, you know, go to the neighboring state and uh, and learn new things. So I think that I I I believe in people, um, in people's you know 
activities and, and how they can, th- those things can actually manifest in a much better life than if you were 100% just focused on making yeah. money and running businesses. That is not, it's not positive. It's actually counterproductive. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's, that's what we do here in America is we get on this treadmill and we just keep letting the treadmill rip at you know the fastest pace we can possibly run without you know dying instead. And so what I always tell people, we want to take you off the treadmill of life, help you slow down, use a journal, use a piece of paper, use a think time, use focus 90, all these things that I talk about. And if we can do that, you're going to build in more personal time and more time off. And maybe it's golf with your friends or go on that trip with your girlfriends or do whatever you want to do. But if we don't plan it and we don't book it and we don't work ahead, it's never going to happen ever. So that's, I could get on that. I could talk about that for hours. And so I think we're in line there. So let's talk about your new book, how creativity rules the world. Um, I I agree with that. So I'm really excited about diving into this, but talk to us about that title and why that title. You know, I, for a long time, I've been, ever actually since I opened the business, I have been analyzing what makes businesses successful and also what makes artists successful. And honestly, it's not really like a God-given talent. Heck, it's not even like a special talent. It's the unique ability of those businesses and artists to come up with ideas of value that are relevant for today, right? Because if I have an idea and I cannot implement it today, it's not relevant anymore or it's not relevant. Or maybe I'm so ahead of the game, you know. And not everybody has the ability of Steve Jobs to push people to produce things that are impossible and not yep. everybody has those teams, right? But, and, and so I thought about those things for so long and, and I would see like how my business benefited from these practices and habits as well because I have never stayed the same. The only thing that is constant in my business is that I'm pivoted all the time because I have to meet the world where it is. The world is not meeting me. I have to meet the world where it is. I have to meet my clients where they are. There are new generations of people. There are things happening. There are NFTs and metaverses. And I just can't be the same people in the same business I was 13 years ago, not even five years ago, right? So I I set out to grab and, and, and to gather all the information that I could, not only firsthand of me working with artists, but also me working with my uh, my collectors, my my clients that range from, you know, billionaires and philanthropists to hip hop moguls. So I gather all this information of watching and I combine that with data and studies. And I say, okay, these are the patterns. These are the things that people do. These are the habits. These are also historical passages that are pointing out that this is how things used to happen in the past. And this is the same habit and we can continue doing those things. And these are the tools. So I, I believe creativity rules the world. And I think that it's important for people to not only embrace that for themselves and take attitudes of creative thinking, innovative thinking, no matter the industry, no matter what they do. But I also think it's important for people to teach this to new generations. And if you run a business to teach that to your employees, because it'll make a whole difference in the way your business is perceived, the way people perceive themselves in relationship to their business, the engagement, because you want people who actually come up with excellent ideas and you want to allow those people 
to run with them and to implement them. When you can't shut everybody down because it doesn't sound logical. Most of the logical things, uh, once they were not, right? Like, I mean, like right. the, the things that nowadays we take for granted were actually outlandish. And you want to allow people to have outlandish ideas because unless it is illegal or unless it goes against the laws of nature and, you know, you want people to jump out the window and like grow wings on the way down, which is impossible. <laughs> I don't see any reason why managers and executives and C-suites and whatever are not letting people think more on their own feet and go with those ideas, right? I mean, we have to do that if we want to compete in a global marketplace that is fast, right? And that we have seen that we have very, very strong competitors around the world in China and in certain parts of Europe too. And although it's not the same culture, we just want for ourselves to instill in continuous stealing in people the desire to think differently. I love that. You got to think differently because you're right. I mean, to your point, I wrote it down actually before uh, we even started talking today is these NFTs and stay a student of the game because if you don't stay a student of the game, you're going to, you're going to die. I mean, you can, you can take it as little as uh, I think a blockbuster, right? I think I've heard a story where they wanted to buy, you know, Netflix, Netflix. or vice versa. Yeah. And it's like, they said no. And then now look at what's happened, right? There's no blockbusters really anywhere. I think there's maybe one in the country left or something like that. Um, so yeah, we got, we got to switch. We got to change. We got to adapt. And, and so when you hear this NFT world that's out there right now, is that becoming a major thing for you all in the art space? I think it has, uh, the, the enthusiasts of NFTs are more people who ventured into crypto a long time ago or or people who who started venturing into crypto recently because NFTs are tied to the performance and the movements of Ether and, and crypto and whatever. So you have to be very well versed in yeah. both things to actually understand if there is an opportunity to make money out of these things, right? Yeah. So I think NFTs are going to be quite important for a variety of reasons. The technology itself is important because it's not only good for art, but it's good for anything. So registering things and, and having things stored on a blockchain where it lends transparency and traceability to certain assets is an excellent way that we have really not developed. We don't have a system where everything is registered and we can go and see who owns what and if there are, you know, certain liens or claims or whatever, right? Like, so this, this technology could be excellent alone just for a million things if we wanted to, but also yeah. for this, Look, I mean, I know it's very strange, but we really have to think about what's going on with all these metaverse ideas. I mean, we have our kids are playing video games in a way that we did not, right? I mean, now it's, it's such an interactive sure. thing. And it's like, it's super addictive because it's so much fun and you are immersed in that world and you have taken a whole personality and an avatar that is not the way you look outside of those games. And sometimes you never even get to meet those people you're playing with, but you gather at certain point in a, in a certain time of the day to meet with them in those worlds. And as strange as it may sound, 
that has captured an enormous amount of money, as you know, like all mm-hmm. those games in companies and Fortnite. And when, when Netflix and Facebook actually do their earnings calls, they always say Fortnite is our competitor, even though that's not so, it's not a social media network, but it's a place where people gather, children and, and, and young people gather to do things, to, you know, watch concerts with avatar with right. avatars. It's a very, very strange thing. But that doesn't mean that because it is strange, it's not important, right? Yeah. Well, you're right. I mean, it's like, you know, I got four kids. And so they, you know, a few of them are, they, they get into that, right. And they get into this stuff and you, you got to limit it or it can, it can go crazy. But yeah, that whole, that whole meta world that people are talking about. And, and, and I was recently talking to a person that had an NFT of a, I think it was a cat or a dog or something like that. And it's like, yeah, that's your, your pet in the, in the metal world. And it's just, you know, for somebody, for me, it's just, you know, gosh, and then my parents and, and that generation, I mean, it's kind of mind blowing to think that somebody's going to actually have a pet dog or cat in the meta world. And to your point is you can be whoever the heck you want. And, and we didn't grow up with this stuff, but the kids and the kids that aren't even born yet, they're not going to know the world without it. And then you think of these Oculus, the things that people wear and the, and the uh, virtual reality. I mean, it's, it's just crazy because I put my kids Oculus on and it's like, I mean, it looks like you're there. I mean, you can watch YouTube like you're in the studio somehow. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. It is. And there are tons of opportunities there for people to make money. And there are tons of opportunities for people to experience new worlds. And I mean, the, the possibilities, if you think about it, are endless because it's not only from the standpoint of investing, for example, in companies or creating things inside of those worlds, but also creatively, so many things can happen in the world's that are not, you know, the tangible physical worlds that we know. And this, this amount of technology, as you know, is accelerating, like it's doubling every day, right? It goes so fast and it goes so fast and we have to understand it. I'm not saying everybody has to adopt it because that's harder. But I think if we understand it, we will utilize the knowledge that comes out of these things to better parts of our business. And that's why I, I'm so keen on always telling people to get outside of the comfort zones of their expertise because that's not where the money is, right? It would be too, I mean, like, forget a guy like Warren Buffett. I mean, he is a genius who's looking at every stock in the world, actually, right? I mean, he's not just like, oh, let me look at pharma. No, he's looking at everything, right? But also, if you think about investors like Peter Lynch, right, he was not looking at stock. He was like, let me go to a bar and see what people are drinking. Let me go to the stores and see what the ladies are wearing. Right. I mean, this like I think it's so important for people to kind of embrace this creative thought. Right. That that the biggest things and the biggest opportunities don't come from business as usual. They come from the intersections. They come from the margins. They come from not the mainstream, right? Because otherwise, everybody would do them. It's yeah. just so like, I mean, the, the thought is, is, is not necessarily a natural thought. It's a little bit counterintuitive to think that by being, yes, of course, we want people to be experts, but we also want those people to get out of their expertise and start looking at the world with fresh eyes. That is also why I wrote this book, because I think it's so important for people to see things from a different perspective and not what they are used to. 
So it's a, it's, it's, you know, my two cents on what I think it's, it's actually one of the most important and most overlooked areas in business is to not be like, you know, the mega expert and just like go to every, you know, conference that is so narrow and read every trade magazine. If the answers were in a trade magazine, I think everybody would do them right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, you're right. I, I call it playing in traffic. If you if you're not out playing in traffic, yeah, you're not learning. You're not growing. Uh, and, and I have an executive forum group that I run. That's six guys. They're all in different industries, and we all think so differently. But yeah. I can learn something from the the person over here that owns a railroad company uh, about financial uh, about how it could work in a financial company, right? You just, but you got to be open-minded and you got to be thinking and you got to be searching and looking for that stuff. And when you surround yourself with great people, great things happen. And, and that's why it's so important to have a mastermind and an executive forum, the one you yeah. have, because if everybody, you know, would be sharing the same profession, not a lot would come out of that. I mean, right. maybe support like peer support is important, yeah. but ideas, I yeah. doubt it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I doubt it as well. well I, I love the name, How Creativity Rules the World. I couldn't agree more. Uh, we'll put the, the link in the show notes down below. People will buy the book uh, yes. and learn from Maria here. And, and I loved earlier you mentioned, I don't want to gloss over this because I think it's super important. I've done it for years as well. As you mentioned, the word of business coach. And yeah. whether you want to talk about uh, Tom Brady or Tiger Woods or whoever, you know, from a sports standpoint, Michael Phelps, uh, Jackie Joyner Kersey, whoever. They had coaches yes. and sometimes they had multiple coaches, right? Nutrition, strength, stretching, fitness, whatever it may be. Uh, and so talk about that. You had a business coach. Why did you make that investment? Well, I've had many actually. And uh, when I started the business, since it was such a humongous jump, I said this, I really need help. Right. And, and it's yeah. got to be someone who has experience. And it was funny how I got to her. I had bought a book about branding and I had already hired a person who was helping me with branding because that's also important. And it was a yeah. lot of brainstorming sessions. And uh, when I was reading about that book, the, the woman who wrote that book that I found fascinating on branding, she said, I had this business coach and her name is this. Right. So I looked her up. And this was this woman in Atlanta. And I sent her an email and I said, Do you, are you taking new clients? And she responded, yes. And the fee was very reasonable, whatever it was. And I said, I'm going to hire her for whatever it was, you know, 10 sessions old yeah. or 12. I don't know. We ended up working maybe two or three years on and off. And she was so helpful because really, first, I... I needed people to validate my ideas. I needed a sounding board that was not my husband. That was like, and also, I, as I was an outsider, and you know, I wanted someone with a sound business mind. Yeah. And she had tons and tons of experience. I mean, fascinating background. And um, I, of course, I definitely give her, you know credit for a lot of what she taught me, but without execution, right? It would have been nothing. Yep. That's the thing about a coach that they keep 
they keep you on your toes because you're supposed to do what right. they say and you're you know it's a it's a very kind of like interesting feedback loop because you like oh i said i did what you told me to do and here's what happened right so i i think that coaches are super important if after her i've had different ones because you want to test different people and you want to do different things and as you move forward in your business and your life you have different interests sometimes you get everything you could have gotten from a certain people i think that i actually i move very fast and i learn fast so sometimes these coaches were like okay i've gotten what i needed to get from you you're fantastic but now i need somebody else yeah. with a different perspective yeah. and that's what i did and you know when i need them believe me i have no problem emailing coaches and say i need your help and yeah. and that's something that everybody if they have the ability to do that they should hire one absolutely yeah i have clients that i coach as well and it's just it's it's huge i i have them for myself and do it and it's uh it, in my opinion, some of the best money you can ever spend. So Maria, this has been awesome having you on the circuit of success. Where do our listeners find more of you? Thank you, Brett. People can find me at mariabrito.com. That's B-R-I-T as in tongue, O. And that has all my social media handles. It has an email form if people want to email me. And uh, that's where everything else, the truth is. It's very easy. That's like There is a, a newsletter also that I send every Tuesday on the topics of creativity and business. It's all intertwined. Things that I love, I do that for free. Um, I'm very passionate about what I do. And um, I think that it's great to connect with people who are your listeners and people who want to get more ideas and uh, see things from a different perspective and make sure to get the book, which is everywhere where books are sold, you know, so everywhere. Well, we will put all this in the show notes, Maria, and it's been great having you on the circuit of success. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Brett. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.